Hello and welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast. Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo. And it's everyone's favorite tournament of the year. The golfers are in Augusta, Georgia to compete for the coveted jacket. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of the action by giving you a free shot to land in the green. This week, DraftKings is giving you a free shot at the $1 million top prize when you download and sign up using promo code THPN. If you haven't tried DraftKings, this is the time. It's easy to play, pick six golfers, stay under the salary cap, and submit your lineup before the tournament tees off early Thursday morning. Then sit back and follow the action. The more red numbers they have on the leaderboard, the closer you'll be to winning some green. Rack up points for pars, birdies, finishing position, and more. Even though you may not be able to hit the course with the pros, DraftKings is giving you the chance to scratch your competitive itch and reign supreme. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN during signup. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at the $1 million top prize. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Noah, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Doing doing good, man. Doing good. You excited for the, the Masters coming up here? Yes, sir. I was actually just trying to look up. I'm going to have to stream it. I thought I might be able to watch it through Amazon Prime. Because I think like uh, when I was watching the players a couple weeks ago, like they had some on Prime, which was nice. Yeah, it's it's always. I mean, I don't. I, you know, I like golf, play it in the summer and everything. But uh, I, you know, I don't really watch a ton of golf. But the Masters is like that one tournament that, like, yeah, like I'll actually sit down and watch or have it on in the background at least. Uh, so so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, in your mind, who's the favorite going into the tournament? If you're trying to pick a winner right now, who's your pick? Uh, what's his name? Uh, I, I think Brooks, Brooks Kepka. Was that, was that who posted a pretty funny picture? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So if, if it is, um, 100% Brooks Kepka, uh, he, he posted that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, picture so i mean i'm betting the house on that on DraftKings. yeah i mean you know if i had to pick a winner right now the, the obvious pick is is dustin johnson right he's pretty much he's the best golfer in the world well uh, i mean i probably wouldn't go that far i mean i think bryson's definitely up there no guy's a choke artist uh <laughs> dustin johnson to, for me and i think if you ask most people who, who would definitely know a whole lot more than me uh, about golf to me, Dustin Johnson, best golfer in the world. He, he is the betting favorite 
uh, for the Masters, I believe. Uh, but you know that 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 that'd be the easy pick here. You know, you know, if I'm if I'm trying to pick, but I'll I'll go off the board maybe a little bit, and I'll go with uh I'll go with a little bit of a sleeper pick. I'm gonna go with Sergio Garcia. A bit of a sleeper pick, eh? Yeah, you know, he's you know, he's not one of those you know super big names like you know Justin Thomas or uh, Dustin Johnson, but he is, or even Brooks Kepka or Di- uh, Bryson DeChambeau, but. He's a good golfer. He's been playing some good golf as of late. Uh, Ma- you know, Masters good a tournament as any to, you know, you know, have a good one. So I'm liking him for this one. Uh, and I think you know when we look back, you know, next week on this episode of the podcast, we'll be like, wow, nailed it. <laughs> Just as all our predictions have always. Uh, that is, although, although you want to know what I said, Adam Fox for the Norris. I remember that. Guess who's leading the assists for defensemen this year? Well, the, the setup. I, I, I know he's not going to win it. I know he's not going to win it. He's just, I, I don't think he's responsible enough defensively, but. I don't I, know. I, I think he's still very good defensively. Like he, I, in my mind, like he's playing like a top five D in the league right now. I don't want to say I called it, but. No, good. It's a good call. It's a great call. I also called Andre Svechnikov for the Rocket Richard, and that's going fantastically. Yeah, that's going really good. You nailed that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll have to – maybe we should do an episode where we just go back and listen to that episode and just see how uh... – <laughs> Just a reaction, a reaction podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I – I mean, I think my prediction that I remember, at least, that's that's looking the best right now is probably, and it wasn't looking great for a while, but it, it's it's coming on hot here, UC Soros for the Vesna. Fair enough, fair enough. You know, he's it's obviously tough because, you know, Vasilevsky and, uh, you know, Hellebuck are kind of the best. That's arguable. I... I mean, Vasilevsky, absolutely. Hellebuck is another discussion. Okay, your distaste for, for, for Connor Hellebuck just continues to baffle me. Like, he could never allow another goal for the rest of his career, and you're still going to claim that he's not an elite goalie, and you're still going to be wrong. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but, yeah, in my mind, like, you know, Vasilevsky, 931 this year, playing a ton of games, very, very good, and – Tampa's other goalies have been tragic whenever he's needed a rest. Uh, but that 931, though, same save percentage is, is, is Chris Drieger, who posted a, another shutout against uh, Columbus the other day. I mean, you know, obviously Chris Drieger, not definitely not in the, you know, in, in the Norris, in the Vesna discussion. But he's, he's definitely, he's making it pay for himself because his next contract is definitely going to be more than yeah. what he's earning right now. Yeah. And then just behind those two, it's my guy, UC Soros. Uh, guy don't miss. He's been red hot. Is it his year? Probably not. Probably going to be Vasilevsky. Yeah, what's going to be interesting there is going to be like, how quick is Askarov going to come up there? In and Nashville? Yeah, what's the timeline on him like competing for that starting spot? Because I, I'd be surprised to see him back up for more than a season. Yeah, well, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a couple of years for sure since he was just the last draft yeah. class. 
right? And the same kind of, I imagine, same kind of progression as what we've seen from from Spencer Knight here, same kind of timeline, uh, at least. So I think if you're Nashville and you got, you know, you got UC Saros who's playing f- phenomenal hockey uh, right now, like I think they'll probably end up paying him a good amount of money, but I don't think he's going to get term. Yeah, it's that's uh, probably how I, I think that's probably going to go about, or at least I think that's the, the smartest way to do it. Is just say, hey, we'll pay you a lot for a goalie at least, but we're not going to give you more than two or three years. Uh, but yeah. we'll, we'll see. That's a highly different thing, and we have lots of other shit to talk about on this episode. Uh, first and foremost, we're recording this uh, Wednesday evening, and just before we hopped on the air here, kind of the first, you know, big-ish trade of, you know, the, the trade deadline season, and we got Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac going from the New Jersey Devils, reunited with Lou Lamorello in Long Island. Uh, for a first-round pick, conditional fourth, A.J. Greer, and then Mason Jobst, who is an older prospect. Um, what are your thoughts on the deal? Uh, do you think there's a clear winner or loser? Uh, let's just let's just break this thing down. I think the Islanders are like literally like committed robbery. I, I think that it's a landslide victory for the Islanders. Like, I don't even think it's arguably close. Um, I mean, A.J. Greer is a 24-year-old left-handed um, winger. Like A.J. Greer's been a fringe NHL guy. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's played, what, a total of 37 NHL games, and he's put up six points. So I'm not sure if it really may – first of all, I, I don't think neither – I think both guys, A.J. Greer and Jobst, were included in the deal just to like balance out the number of players there was going in each direction. I don't think neither of them, I, I, I don't see why, like it, it doesn't make, make sense to me. Uh, we were talking about this right before we hopped on the podcast. Uh, I mean, we don't even know if Mason Jobs is actually a real guy, like he's a 27 year old center. Yeah. He's like- never played in the NHL. Yeah, obviously, um, obviously, I, I, I get that he was in the NCAA for four years and good for him. He he hopefully he got it. He got his degree, but I just. I have trouble seeing this pan out for for the Devils, considering it's going to be a late first round pick in a very weak draft. Yeah, like it's I think, you know, in another in a different draft class and under different circumstances, I think that's that's an all right deal for New Jersey, like a first round pick in a strong draft class, even if it's going to be a late first in a normal year. I think that's, you know, you'd like to maybe get a bit more, especially since you're retaining money. But I don't think that would be necessarily bad this year, though. Um, you know, if you're in New Jersey, you got to be very confident in in your your drafting ability here. I mean, in the um. They, they they kept fifty percent of Zajac and Palmieri's salaries. Like yeah, that's it's a decent chunk of change, you know. It's it's over. Five, I mean, it's it's the maximum dollars. It's the maximum they're allowed yeah. to retain. Yeah, I it's this this just baffles me. And I, I saw Pierre LeBrun say that Toronto and Boston were also very interested. I have like th- this would imply that. The, the Islanders were the best best offer. I I just I have trouble believing that. 
yeah like that that's the thing is because it's the first trade of this this like first trade of the the trade deadline season um i think it's just a really good indicator of how other teams are valuing guys right like i think you know for new jersey like when you're the seller right you're going to take the best offer right you're going to get the most you can so clearly the most that they were were able to get uh was that first round pick and the other you know kind of just whatever pieces in that I, I deal. can't help but feel, but they, they would have gotten so much more near near the deadline. I don't know if it was important for them to get rid of the guys sooner rather than later, but yeah. I have so such a hard time thinking that they they weren't going to get something better. Yeah, well, it's it's tough because you can wait it out and you can say, okay, we make the deal. In theory, you should get, you know, if, if the Islanders are getting, you know, an extra – couple an extra week basically out of palmary and and, and zajac then you would want you know a, a, the the highest return coming back for the most that they're going to have them and as you get closer to the deadline of course you know there's the potential that a team gets desperate the other guys that they were looking at start to get moved around the options start to thin out a bit and then they that, then they kind of start to panic and overpay right and we kind of saw that last year with tampa bay just tossing away high picks and prospects to get uh coleman and and barkley gudra who's the late addition but i mean it, it's an amazing deal for the islanders and when you think about it like the, the the devils had nothing to gain by by holding on to them um at least they get a return is all i can think um i don't know if i if i was a devils fan i'd be pissed right now well, then the thing I mean, is they're like, going to the Islanders too. Yeah. But like, what, they're, they're not going to like the Sharks or anything. Like, this is the Islanders, literally like an hour away. You, you probably still have to play the team like four times this season. Yeah. The thing is, though, like, you mentioned the Leafs, Bruins as the other teams that were interested. Yeah. I think that's a pure LeBron. But let's say, let's say the, like, let's say this deal doesn't happen. Islanders say, all right, well, you know, we can't figure out a price. We go get this player to fill our needs instead. Toronto does the same. Boston does the same. Now New Jersey's sitting there with no people who want their players, and they might just have to hold on to them and get nothing for them, essentially. Yeah, which is which is why I said right. like they they got a return. So I mean, it could be worse. That's absolutely you make a fantastic point. It could be worse. So I mean, at least they got a first round pick. That's all I can say. Yeah, yeah. Like the way do you go? Like you're running the risk of you know potentially getting a better return, but also potentially getting nothing making the deal now obviously you know i'm sure you might have liked a better return than, than what you got but you get something good enough um and you know it is what it is now do you think that this trade is going to lead to more kind of dominoes to fall in the next couple of days here where we see some more movement we'll see um i know taylor hall did not play last night ironically buffalo won so who knows um, what day is today? Today's the seventh. Seventh. We are five days away. From- uh, I'll expect it to pick up maybe around the weekend. I don't think we'll see anything for the next couple of days, but I mean, that's just unfounded speculation. Yeah. I mean, it's hopefully like, it's nice when a deal comes, you know, at least, you know, the, the first kind of deal comes a few days before, because then it gives, 
you know, more time for the dominoes to fall where they may. So hopefully this triggers something, but it, it may or may not. Uh, but if there were teams looking potentially at, uh, you know, Kyle Palmieri, you know, focus turns somewhere else now. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it forces you to reconsider like, like other trades. I'm sure neither team had all their eggs in the same basket, obviously, but it does, it does force you to reconsider because Palmieri was a very nice um, target and especially with the 50% off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a great addition. And like, it feels Lou weird Lam- to say that 50% off, 50% off discount, <laughs> everything must go sale basically uh, type deal. Uh, but while we're, while we're on the subject of trade deadline, we should, we should tie in the Panthers here. Uh, first of all, I mean, for the first time in a long time, they look like they're going to be buyers uh, for a brief moment this week. They actually were atop the NHL standings. Were they top or were they tied at the top? Well, they're currently tied at the top, but then they're below oh, okay, because they okay, played okay. the most games. But there was a point this week where they were number one in the standings, uh, which was mainly just exciting because, you know, I think a lot of people actually finally realized. Oh, yeah, I mean, up there, with, up there with Colorado, right? Yeah, like I saw, I saw a lot of tweets coming out over the last week of people, you know, going, whoa, did, like, did anyone else realize the Panthers are atop the standings? <laughs> and those people clearly don't listen to our show. So they don't, they don't, they should. They, they absolutely should more listeners, the better, uh, obviously, but, uh, Panthers in a good spot, despite, uh, you know, losing their, their number one defenseman. So I think the anticipation from, from most people is that they're going to do something at the deadline here, especially on the blue line. Yeah. And I think they have like, cause you're, you're up there. Like, I think if you're, if you're the Panthers right now, you're sitting there thinking, Hey, like, we can com- like we can compete with Tampa right now. We can compete with Carolina. We can compete with Colorado potentially. Let's just go out and let's just let's just go for it. Let's just get another piece and just see how good we can be and how far we can go on, on a potential playoff run. Um, yeah, like who knows what what a, a solid addition on the blue line could yeah could mean. And you're assuming that I mean. I think Ekblad's out for the season, right? Yeah, he's done for the season. So, and and should be noted, like credit where credit is, they they lost to Carolina obviously the other day. They they had the lead going into the third, uh, and end up losing. But with Aaron Ekblad out, Mackenzie Weger has been excellent. He has, and I, it's it's great to see. It's it's not it's not the Ekblad effect or anything. Like this guy's actually like good on his own, which is just awesome yeah no because we've never seen it we've never seen really like a, a large sample size of Mackenzie Weger being the focal point of his pairing right and now playing on his you know I guess normal side uh and he's been very very good very effective the last couple of games and I think for the Panthers you're gonna need that you're gonna need him to be good if you're gonna have any chance uh at doing anything this year but uh on the topic of the trade deadline I got an article here from Colby guy uh, at the hockey writers with three potential trade line targets before, for... before we go into this, um, there was one mock trade I saw. All right, let's hear it. Let's see it. Do you know who it's yesterday? From? It was the, the Buffalo Sabres and the New Jersey Devils. Did you see this one? No, but like I'm all an, ears. It's like an NHL network guy that, um, they posted it. I, I, I have it. I have it saved actually. Um, let's see. 
All right, so it's from Brian Lawton. Oh, yeah. Works for NHL Network. Yeah, right. of course, Brian Lawton. All right, listen to this. Let's, this hear, is, let's hear the trade. This is some, some interesting, interesting content. So we've got, do you want to hear who's going to the Sabres or who's going to the Devils? Who do you let's want hear, to hear? Let's hear, who's going to, let's, let's hear the, who's going to the Sabres. All right, so Sabres get Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. Well, I think, I, yes, perfect. For free, yeah. For free. Um, not for free. For Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin. It's interesting. I mean, if I'm Buffalo, I'm probably saying no. Probably. I mean, Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes is kind of nice with it. No, like, like, Jack Hughes is nice with it. Nico Heischer is nice with it. He's just a really good two-way player. Yeah, Nico, um, I think Nico Heischer, like, I think Nico Heischer is a very good hockey player. And, like, but, of course, he goes number I mean, one. You're losing a top pairing D and literally a franchise superstar. Yeah. And I don't think like, you can but argue like, that. But currently a really bad top pairing D. Like Rasmus Dahlin oh, has yeah, a yeah, base yeah. more. But, but the potential, the potential is there. That, that's exactly what I was going to say right? is how much of that is just playing in Buffalo. Yeah. So, like, I think, I think Rasmus Dahlin will still be a very good player. Jack Eichel, obviously the best player in that trade. For my money, top 10, top 15 player in the league went, went healthy and probably even higher. In but, any I mean, other definitely city. top 10. I think no argument with top 10. Yeah, I think it'd be. I, it's, I think it'd be close. You know, if he if he's if he's at the top of his game, if he's playing like he he was playing last season, I think he's a top ten player in the league. See, I don't know as a top ten forward, but as a player, like I don't know, you throw some D in there. That's true. That's true. Right. That's that. That's why I'm saying top fifteen player. Top fifteen. Yeah. We'll, for we'll for sure. Lock it in. Right. It's a more. And, and that's that's in Buffalo. Like, he could be top ten in probably almost any other market. No yeah. offense to Sabres fans. But full um, offense to them. Well, I mean, they've been through a lot. We should be kinder. Very true. Um, you know, spread kindness and positivity. Like, yeah, Jack Eichel is easily the best player in that trade by a big margin. Like, Jack Hughes, he'll probably end up being pretty solid. Nico Heischer, I think, is better than people give him credit for. And I think people just – because, like, he goes first overall, which, like, so obviously a lot of hype. But then the guys who, went, like, right after him and Nolan Patrick have just been – disgustingly good so yeah people just kind of stop caring and he's not like that flashy either like he's just effective you know like he yeah. is just like there's and there's a lot of players like that in the league that is really effective to a guys that you're never going to see on like a nice highlight reel mm-hmm. you know or at least not that often like i'd think like a like a sean kachuria type yeah like how many like really nice like elite like goals can you think sean kachuria scored like zero come to mind right now. No, I can't. Grant that I don't watch the Flyers that much, but yeah. especially this year. Um, so I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. I, if I'm Buffalo, I'm uh, let's definitely don't do that. That's yeah. That was my my exact thoughts. Anyways, let's hear some real trades, or I mean, okay. some, these, these, some these educated are, these, guessing trades. Yeah, these are just potential targets right out the gate. Uh, from the Anaheim Ducks, uh, the favorite team of our dear friend of the show, John Bird. Uh, and it is 
Ricky Rack attack, Ricard Raquel um, is on a team friendly $3.9 million deal, 27 years old, 22 points this year for the Ducks. Um, could could be, you know, maybe an upgrade at the second line center position or slot in on the wing somewhere. Yeah. Uh, what do you I'd see? I, like, I'd what do you think it. of the player and potential fit? I'd actually, you say two C. I'd say, I'd say a really good team going out there and getting him for the three C spot. I, uh, I don't know if That's, he like. It, it's I, tough. I, it's it, it's tough to evaluate, isn't it? It's tough because he's. I, I don't think his game kind of fits that well as in that third line role. Uh, so much as like he seems like kind of a, like a lower end second line center yeah right like how much and like how much of an upgrade would that be over you know Wenberg who's there right now and has been solid uh, for the most part this season like by the time you bring in another guy and you put him in the position he builds chemistry with the guys like it's playoff time like there's not a lot of runway this year as opposed to last year no there isn't so there is the potential to say, hey, like we don't want to get a guy that we're going to have a key piece of our team in the playoffs because we don't know if it's going to how, how that's going to integrate into what we've built so far. Uh, but I, I like Ricard Raquel purely because he is just like, I think there's a lot of utility in that player. Like there's, I think, a lot of different ways you can utilize him out there. Like he can be a center. He can be a winger. He can do a lot of different things. He can kill penalties probably. I don't know if he kills penalties for the Ducks. So to me, like, I, I think, I mean, he would for sure help the team depending on what goes back the other way. But it'll, yeah. be, it'll be interesting to see what the asking price is. Uh, you I know. mean, it, it's it's tough to imagine that teams are going to be asking for that much given what, what's already been been happening in – in um, I mean, I, I'm just the, the Henrik, tra- uh, not Henrik, uh, Palmieri trade is so like fresh in my mind. It's like it's hard to imagine that <laughs> that you're going to be overpaying. Um, although it it does have the potential to kind of, well, the Islanders get a steal, but I would not be surprised seeing everybody else pay a lot more because teams are more vigilant because they saw how bad the devils did in my, that, that's my biased opinion, obviously, but. Yeah. In my, like in my mind, like, I think, I think there were like, I imagine there's a pretty decent market for a Carter Kell just based on. I would, I would think so. Yeah. The consistency of his game. Like, so the asking price in my mind, probably a prospect and probably a first round pick based on what uh, New Jersey got. <laughs> Which like, but like, and if you're Florida, like a late first in a draft where it's like, who's even good? Yeah, that's that's the key. That's the key part is. Yeah, that's the thing. Like a first round pick is not as valuable as but, it normally would be. But again, is is do you do you get rid of that first round pick and risk losing a really good player at the draft, the expansion draft? Sorry, like we all saw what happened last time. They nailed it. They nailed it. Absolutely killed. Absolutely, Panthers fans are rejoicing. Um, you know, so because apparently the asking price for Seattle is a first rounder to like exempt players, and I'm I, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I if I'm if I'm a competing team, I in competing for for years to come is I don't know that I mind giving a first rounder 
for that for that security of knowing that you you can protect a few extra players. Yeah, it's 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 a really tough spot, and yeah, it, the expansion draft I'm sure is a big consideration for a lot of teams, both in giving up assets and and bringing in players that they might have to protect uh, in an expansion draft. So I like it, but do I think that like the priority should be to go and get Ricard Raquel? Probably not. Like it'd be great to have him, but like in my mind, like there are cheaper options out there that can do valuable things for your team, and then there's also just other areas I think are more important. Uh, but we're going to get to target number two here, player who we've talked actually quite a bit about, to be honest. Uh, but Sam Bennett, Calgary Flames, struggling a lot this year. The team as a whole struggling a lot this year. Uh, what do you think the market's like for Sam Bennett? Because it's it's kind of hard to gauge. It's not the first. It's it's not the first time he's been rumored. Is the thing. No. Which, no, exactly. It makes it hard. It's even harder because it's a guy who's been rumored for a while. You never really heard of anything materialize, and you can't help but wonder. I mean, is there something wrong? Is what's going on? But from what I've seen, I would love to have Sam, Sam Bennett on my team. Well, yeah, and I think if 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 you're another team acquiring Sam Bennett and you're talking to the flames, you're probably going, look, look, look at his regular season numbers. They're terrible. And if you're the flames, terrible. And he, the fact that he requested a trade is really hurts. their their horrible for the flames, horrible negotiating. Uh, chip and, for them. It, it makes it weird why he wanted to trade out because I mean, Calgary's not, wasn't supposed to be the worst team. No, we, I think we both I, had them up there. You know, it's I, I don't know what exactly fueled the the request, but the, I, 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 I think just for whatever re- whatever reason, these things haven't worked out in Calgary. Yeah, exactly. Right, and so yeah, if you're a team acquiring Sam Bennett, you're like, hey, look at his regular season numbers. We're we're not giving you more than this. And if you're the Flames, you're saying, well, look at his playoff numbers. You're bringing him in for the playoffs look what he can do for you. And if you're the Panthers, like, that's what I'm thinking about is like to have, you know, as invisible as Sam Bennett can be sometimes in the, in the regular season, like he has consistently showed up in the playoffs. Like he's close to a point per game, uh, you know, and and he hasn't played a ton of playoff games, but like, he's a big physical player. And those are the types of guys teams love for the playoffs. And, you know, if you bring in Sam Bennett to be your, your three C like that's, I, I don't mind that depending on what the asking price is. Yeah. Uh, and you get the mustache. Yeah. You get the mustache <laughs> and I don't know. You ever just like, you're like thinking about players and you're like, look, and you just think like, man, like this guy just like looks like, you know, he should play for this team, you know? And to me, Sam Bennett just looks like a Florida Panther. He like does. not that, like not the physical animal to be clear, but like he looks like someone who should just play for the Florida Panthers. Honestly, and I feel I feel that way about most good players in the league. Um, it's just so hard to evaluate his value. You think it's going to be a first minimum? I doubt it, it. I don't even I I can't tell if it's going to be a first or a second. I think. 
you know, if you, I think if you can get him for a second in a prospect, depending on what the Flames are looking at, I think I'd do that depending on the yeah. prospect. Yeah, depending. I mean, like, I would give up. I probably like th- there's untouchables in terms of like Knight, Levi, Lundell, and Denisenko. And let's say Tippett too, just because. Well, I don't think pro- Tippett is a pro. Yeah, yeah. He's a yeah, prospect. Yeah, like, he's first let, year. Let's include year. him. Let's Absolutely. just let's either way. Him. Like, those are pretty much the guys I would not touch. And then everybody else, like. Like, if Calgary was looking, like, if you wanted to do, like, one of those trades, like what we saw with Line A and, and Dubois, but to a lesser extent, and, I mean, that trade has not worked out for either team that well. Like if, if they were but, interested in Saran Noel, I would be thinking about it long and hard. I That being said, I, I don't know what Saran Noel's value on the market is. I, I always thought he was, like, a really, really good player, but we, we haven't seen much from him. See, I was thinking of another, like, Panthers prospect who – I think could use a change of scenery. Like things just haven't worked out so far. And I think that's Henrik Borgstrom. Yeah. That's, so you a, that's Borg, a great one. Borgstrom yeah. in a pick and you send Sammy Bennett. Borg, Borgstrom actually has NHL numbers to back it up. Yeah. He has NHL numbers. He has the draft pedigree uh, that, you know, he's, he's a first round pick, former first round pick. So you throw in a pick there and you say, Hey, let's just see if these guys can do something here. And I think for Calgary, I think Borgstrom's a player. He's small, but he's got a lot of skill. Uh, and I think that's something they could maybe add to their lineup is a bit more skill. So who knows? But that's, I think, kind of the the price I would be looking at if I was trying to get Sam Bennett. Yeah, um, I definitely think they're – yeah. Borgstrom would be an interesting one. Is He just – he has not had the consistency and he he hasn't been able to, like, just keep keep his game up. Yeah. And the last name here, Noah, on the list, we're going all the way back out west here to the Anaheim Ducks once again. It's Josh Manson. Uh, and that uh, would clear, and that's clearly a guy who would be like, you're bringing him in to replace Aaron Eckblad while Aaron Eckblad yeah. is recovering. That would, would 100% take jo- uh, Manson now, on my team. You would 100% take him. Uh, I haven't looked at his cap. I haven't looked at his contract, but... I want to see right now. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, he, he's an interesting player. Like I think for most people, he kind of came out of nowhere uh, as, as an NHL player. Like he's not a high draft pick. Right. Um, and, and he came in and just like was very quickly, like a pretty solid top four guy. And then as Anaheim has kind of crumbled recently, you, you just hear less and less about Josh Manson. Uh, and the, really a lot of their defensemen, but he's got a year left at 4.1. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't even be a pure rental. So that ups the asking price, but then that also ups the attractiveness of it where you could go into next season with Ekblad, Uyghur, and Manson on your defense. I mean, it would kind of like remind me like Carolina. Carolina made those moves last season for, for all those Ds. And I mean, they, they found themselves at the beginning of this year and it's like, they have one of the best defensive cores in the league. Yeah. Well, I think depending on what the asking price is for Manson, like I, I love that type of player being brought in. Like he, he's not, he's not going to come close to replacing the offense that Ekblad brings, but he's going to be very reliable defensively. Um, and I think that's 
probably one of the weaker points still for the Panthers, even though they've been much better at that this year, is just limiting a lot of slot chances. And I think he would be, you know, an excellent fit on that back end. But I think it would price. come down to price. Yeah. It's, Which really, really, yeah, it's every it's every player is like, what's the every, price? Every player is what's the price. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, what's up with uh, Nick Robertson in Toronto? Because I know Dubas said that he was willing to move prospects. Yeah. Um, I mean, that would literally, that would definitely be on my radar. But. Yeah, I mean, a lot of eyes on the Leafs right now. So it'll be. Yeah. um, That being said, I think, I I, I think that the Panthers target has to be on the blue line. I, I think that. While I wouldn't be upset with a forward, I think that it has to be a defenseman. If you're if you're gonna like make a trade, is you need to find somehow to just kind of replace Ekblad to a certain extent because let's face it, he's not going to be replaceable. Yeah, like just to help, like a lot of like to to be fair, a lot of guys have stepped up with Ekblad out, but you can step up all you want. I think they just need a little bit more help back there. And a guy like Josh Manson, or as we talked about last time, Vince Dunn could go a long way. Love Vince Dunn. I think is still the top. Should be the top, top, top of the list. For I know. Bozito. I've been saying it all week, just telling people like Vince Dunn <laughs> should come to the Panthers. I'm trying to will it into the existence. <laughs> is really my main strategy here. Um, but yeah, I think I like I like you can bring another defenseman and a forward, but I think the priority's got to be on the back end. Yeah. That's... And also, before I forget, because we, we made our list of things we we're going to talk about this episode because we're very organized. Vancouver. No, be actually, before that, something we forgot to mention, which oh is... Oh, my God. I know. We suck. We suck. <laughs> I totally botched this, man. That's my bad because uh, I made the list. But uh, Mason Marchment, new contract. Mm-hmm. He's been looking good. He is looking really good. I love it. He has yeah, been. I mean, how long was the contract again? Was it two or just one? I can't remember. I really can't remember the terms of the deal. Yeah, one more. One more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One more. That's right. One more. Yeah, no, I think it's a good deal. I mean, it's another year, and you're paying eight hundred like thousand, like perfect. And right now, he's on the top line. Obviously, declares out, but he's probably been one of the bigger surprises for me this year. Like, it has to be. And I think what it is is that, like, I and again, like, I had not seen a ton of him playing, but I didn't realize how good of a skater he is. Yeah. I mean, fluid, right? Yeah. Well, because, like, when, when the deal was made, like, when they brought him in for, for Dennis Mulligan, right, it was, like, my thinking was, okay, Toronto's getting more skill and Florida's just kind of getting more of a, a grittier player with a bit of sandpaper, right? I mean, it was, it was just it, – it was such a minor deal, right? Yeah, it was a minor deal. I mean, and at the time, you know, Mulligan is the, the more prominent player for sure, right? Yeah. And, you know, Florida brings I in this. Think he played, I think he played for, for Toronto. He, he did. He got into some games. Yeah. And then, you know, Mason Marshmont was just kind of this, you know, big six-foot-four forward coming in here, <laughs> um, which is great. Uh, but he's really impressed me quite a bit this season. 
just being really effective. I mean, a lot of guys have, you know, really stepped up this season, but to me, he's one of the, one of the guys that's really just come out of nowhere and been a contributor. Like neither of us had him anywhere close to starting, you know, the starting lineup this year. I didn't think he was really going to get into any games barring drastic injuries, Uh, but he's gotten in and he's, been very very effective and it feels like we say that about so many players of his like in his like like caliber or like price bracket like you know like like guys you wouldn't think of as nhlers but they've just really stepped up and they when they've gotten the opportunity with the panthers this season they've really delivered yeah like the point totals aren't gonna jump off the page at you but this is a young guy who and, and you watch him play out there and you, you see the chances that that line's able to generate and, and he's been a part of and you, you got to just trust like hey like the points are going to come eventually mm-hmm. i mean like eight points in 20 whatever games it is is not bad but he's generating a lot and that's a good sign uh and so i'm very happy that he'll be back again next year yeah i i mean bill zito strikes again yeah, although, like, you know, if he doesn't get protected in the expansion draft, which he likely won't, you know, does, does Seattle sense maybe a, a nice reclamation project? Yeah, watch, watch, watch him, nice... like, end up as a first-line first player and put up, like, 60 points next season, then. Oh, yeah, 100%. I am convinced anybody Seattle takes from the Panthers is going to just pop off. Yeah, it's just and yeah, and then everyone's gonna be like, "Wow, Florida messed up the expansion draft twice," and it's like, <laughs> "Yeah, I guess," but yeah, it's he's been great, and I think it's just it's fun to enjoy the success he's having, and you know, a, a nice story and a good guy to root for. You know, finally becoming you know an NHLer at twenty five, and his dad was in the NHL too, which is, is his just... dad Todd Marchment. Brian Marchment. He's a Marchment. Uh, I can't remember which. It's Brian Marchment. I'm on Elite Prospects right now. Okay, okay. I have like, Uh, for this podcast, I have like maybe 12 tabs open right now. It is just. (laughs) On top of the regular 45. I should, you know, like I was doing a school project yesterday and I had three windows open and they all had 30 plus tabs. Which is insane. I remember the first time I saw your computer and I was like, I felt bad for it. Um, but I know you got the new one, so yeah, it's, it's, it's perhaps <laughs> a bit too much. Some people think I should yes, have less yes, tabs. Most people would think. Yeah, but I disagree. And it's, it's, it's my I, computer. So it doesn't matter. Exactly. Uh, okay. Quickly here. Last thing real quick. Uh, thing we wanted to talk about Vancouver Canucks. So much COVID. <laughs> So much, and the I saw something about the NHL trying to do next week. I'm like, does COVID go away that fast? I mean, I think if they were asymptomatic, you could maybe say okay. Like, if there's it clears 21 up, one of them. There's 21 of them, and like they had to send IV to players' houses. Yeah, and it's and a it's very this, bad situation. It's, it's the variant. Yeah, it's the Brazil variant, whatever the correct medical definition is, but it's. Yeah, they just got wiped out. They they really did. Um, Which and it's just, I I don't know how the the NHL is going to handle the situation. I'm really excited to see because 
realistically the Canucks aren't make the, making the playoffs yeah like if, if you are I think in, they're like I, I think they're at least five points back and the team in fourth place has like four four games in hand yeah like if you're if you're the, the NHL like like it's gonna be tough to make up the games that they've missed one and it's gonna push back the playoffs and whatever else but it's like they're, they're meaningless games for the Canucks yeah. Right. Like they're, they're not going to make the playoffs, but, and it's just, it's super unfortunate. And it's, I'm honestly shocked it took this long, you know, with the way sportsmen played for something this significant to happen to a team. Like this is probably the most significant outbreak a team has had. Yeah. In terms of, I mean, I mean, in terms of all sports, I think. Yeah. Like not just talking number of cases, but this, like, the symptoms that they that they're feeling and dealing yeah. with, uh, which I is just an awful, awful situation. Um, and who, who knows what what action you know is going to be taken? Uh, but if you, if you are if you are the NHL, if you were the one making the decisions, are you saying are you rescheduling? Or are you just saying your season's done? I think you have to make an attempt to reschedule. Um, I think I'm not rescheduling them up to 52 games. I think that's, that's what I'm doing. I think I, I keep it available to like, if, because mathematically they're not eliminated and you have to give them that opportunity. Yeah. That, that being said, I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm planning on them playing 52 games this season. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be. I mean, yeah, who knows when they'll be actually able to have enough guys back that they can play, how many games they'll have missed by then. And at that point, I mean, yeah, you're not making the playoffs. So then to risk people's safety for meaningless games, is that something you really want to do? Uh, I don't know. Not up to us. Yeah. No, we're, no. we're just going to wait and see like we do with pretty much everything. So, yeah. You know, should be uh, – should be an interesting couple of weeks coming up here. Yeah. Uh, as really we get closer to the end of the season, trade deadline, uh, as hopefully there's, you know, some more updates and progress with the, the whole Canuck situation. A lot of different things we're going to keep tabs on. Uh, and who knows? I mean, I feel like we'd send every episode with who knows because. Yeah. And I just realized next episode is literally going to come out on trade deadline day and everything we will have said on Sunday will not happen on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. That is just, <laughs> no, this is good. Actually. No. What do we do is we're just gonna, why don't we make, we're going to predict. Yeah. Why don't we just make 10 trade predictions and we're yeah. just, that's a, no, it's a great idea. We've nailed it. Yeah. We've nailed it. <laughs> Perfect. Uh... All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you to everyone tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, we'll be back on Monday uh, where we are going to be making our uh, – well, we will have made our trade predictions the night before as to, you know, deals we think might happen. Uh, and so when you listen to the episode, you'll find out how right we are uh, and more likely how wrong we are. So it should be a lot of fun. But thank you for tuning in, and we will see you all then.
Barkov looking to get a step on Mete. Barkov to the net. Barkov between the legs. Unbelievable. Did you just do that, Alexander Barkov? The Panthers are back.